This is a more than just podcast production. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 358 of the More Than Just Come Podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Mark Moykins in Milton, Vermont. Milton, Vermont. Thank you. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. That, that'll be the take. Okay, cool. So not, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having yeah. me, Tim. So actually, I was trying to I was trying to rack my brain as to how I first got in touch with you. Like I, you know, this is the first time we've actually spoken to each other or, or looked at each other on a on a Zoom call, as it were. Um, but I I I think I got your your uh, Swift Views. I think it's called Swift UI Views when it first came out. But I'm trying yeah. to rack my brain as as to how maybe I knew about you before that book was published. Were you doing some teaching or something like that, or work associated with a school out west? Um, yeah, I was in uh, Utah, mm-hmm. and uh, as far as like a school, I would give talks at a, a boot camp, but it's probably yeah. not that. Yeah, it was. Um, I think I it was a boot camp. Yeah, what was the name of the boot camp? Uh, Dev Mountain. Dev Mountain. Yeah, I think that probably yeah. the connection. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So I was speaking to somebody over there, and I can't remember the name of the guy, but yeah, I do. I do recall. I was teaching at a book camp here in Toronto, probably around twenty. This would have been twenty sixteen or so. Was that around okay. the same time frame? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think somebody dropped your name or told me about Big Mountain Studio, which is, I guess, that's your your publishing company or your own company. Yeah, it started out as my uh, YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and then uh, later uh, it turned into book publishing. Okay. Yeah. I never meant to do book publishing, um, but it's something I fell into and I loved. And I said, you know, I'm going to continue down this because I like it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do. Uh, I you know, I, I do some tech writing for Ray Wonder, like and the folks over there at Codeco. And um, yeah. so I'm, I'm obviously I'm always looking <laughs> at uh, teaching materials. I'm, I'm just I mean, I like to learn the new stuff and I find that sometimes a book or a video um, everybody has different styles of learning. Like I had some people who worked for me, engineers who worked for me in the past who they like, didn't like video courses or they wanted a book. And, um, sometimes I like, you know, obviously I started this whole iOS venture with paper books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, actually that's not true, I guess, cause I, I ordered one of the books off pragmatic programmers in beta, but cause you know, when you buy a book in beta, you get like a, a trial version of it and, it and it's not in ink on paper yet right but i used to you know I, behind me i have all the big nerd books you know kind of thing and i would i would leave them on open them up on the couch and i would just code away and learn things but yeah um your books were a little different because you're you use a very sort of visual style right like you have the graphic and shows the code and i just i'm curious as yeah. to how you came or thought about doing teaching it that way <laughs> yeah that's uh it's super interesting um I I had big plans before WWDC 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was making video courses, right. and I had cor- course ideas lined up that I wanted to do. And then Swift UI came out, and I'm like, "Well, what do I do now?" You know? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So at first, I was like, "Ah, oh, what? You know, why are they changing things?" I was I was pissed. I was a little upset. And um, but then I started working with it, and as I started to work with it, uh, I started making notes. Now, at that time, I had um, a Patreon uh, set up, Patreon account, mm-hmm. and I would I would kind of like put a little something together, you know, with uh, the code and the picture, and then I would send it to them and talk about it, and I'd do that for a while, and then I started keeping notes. Like I remember it was a it was a Google Doc that I had uh, in landscape view, and I mm-hmm. I keep notes just for myself. I'm like, like, here's the code. This is what it produces. Here's code. This is what it produces. 
So I could quickly like, like, oh, I want to make this. And I would go through, I'd open up this Google Doc and go through it. And uh, I think what happened was, th- this is what I miss about having Patreon. Patreon is like your, you know, it's like your own inner group that you can talk to and bounce ideas off of sure. and, uh, and ask them questions like, hey, do you like this? Do you like that? You know, do you prefer this? Do you prefer that? Um, and th- I miss that. I miss having that. So uh, why do, I was going to ask about how I was going to ask how successful Patreon was for you. Like, did, are you not doing that anymore? Or? No, I'm not doing it anymore uh, because it, it kind of like felt like I was going down two paths uh, at that point. Because on Patreon, like I, I know you have Patreon, right? Yeah. But I kept feeling this obligation, like I need to produce something like every week or every month for them because yeah. they're giving me money, right? Okay. Yeah. So I felt like an obligation there, but then I I had this other public you know, that I also feel an obligation to uh, providing um, products or videos and, uh, and then, you know, started publishing books and, and then it, it just became a little bit too much for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, what I did was I, I said, okay, I'm going to stop this at this point. And then when I created the, the website and started selling books, um, I, I gave them like, a, I think I sent everyone like a, like a free book, you know, like say, so everyone that was here, you can come over to join this community. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you can join me here and, and we can chat here if you want. Uh, so that's what I did. I moved everything over. I used a platform called Podia, uh, which has been fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. But that that's how I started with the books. I started, you know, just making notes in Google Docs and and they liked it. And I liked it because I, I found out like when I wanted to get one, I, I had to, I'm very like visual learner and I had to like, see like, like I look through, I'm like, oh, I want that kind of button. Oh, there's a code. Okay. Um, so I started creating it for myself. Then I started creating it for them. And then I started sharing these screenshots on Twitter and people started liking them. Mm-hmm. And then they started, you know, I started getting good feedback and good response from that. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to put this together and create a, uh, a book for them. Yeah. So I'm just sharing my screen right now, just so people can see what we're talking about in terms of your, this is your, uh, your mastery book, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that that's kind of like how it is. And I had I had one guy call it like uh, uh, Dave Verver, you know. Yeah. He, he he saw one of the books and he says he says it's like it's like a, a book of PowerPoint slides, you know. <laughs> I don't know if that was good or bad, but for me that's like like I prefer it, you know. That that's how I like to to learn. You know, I could see something, I get the picture. So most of my pages, um, I that's what I try to uh, achieve. You know, I want it to be very visual. So you see the picture, you get some data, and um, and you know I was I was curious. I read some studies about recall, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a person's speed of recall, and right. uh, recalling a picture is like seven hundred thousand times faster than recalling words. Oh, so sure, yeah. yeah, so it was like it, it was like I don't know how they even measure that. <laughs> with, with instruments. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So um, that really helped helped me, you know, and uh, that and I just and I started really loving it, you know, and I learned so much, you know, putting those books together. I learned mm-hmm. so much, mm-hmm. it's, like you fall in love with it more and more and more, and then you want to produce more, and uh, and it just continues. Yeah, I think I got your free because yeah, I I was sitting in the keynote audience when they announced Swift Swift UI, right? I was actually also there in 2014 when they announced Swift, right? So. I've wow. been there for a couple of paradigm changes. iOS iOS seven was 
was there for that too. But yeah. um yeah, so I think, you know, when I got I I was a little excited about Swift UI because, you know, I've always joked with my friends uh, that you know, having gone through Objective-C and having to learn that learning curve and then having to go through Swift and, and Swift is a little easier, obviously. But um, yeah. I always joke that Adobe is going to come out with Adobe iOS App Maker 1.0, you know, and it's going to be, you know, point and click and that kind of stuff, right? And yeah. Swift UI is very much like that, especially now with, with uh, I was watching a, a, a lesson by another uh, author, I can't remember his name right now, but he showed how you can actually drag objects from the library right into the canvas view and then yes. have it write the code for you, which to me, as a, as somebody who came to do engineering, you know, the hard way, I studied art and stuff like that in school, um, use, doing it visually was much, much more, much more approachable. Yeah, totally. And, you know, like, as I said, I, you know, some, uh, if I have to read documentation, I, I begrudgingly will do that, right? Um, but if there's a video, I'll sit and watch a video and I'll, you know, because I can rewind it, I can pause it, I can go back, you know. Um, uh, and the same thing with, so with your books, you know, because I come from a very graphic nature, right, that to me, they speak a lot to, you know, so so I've enjoyed going through your books to, I haven't really gone page by page, but I've, I've dove into yeah. them, looked stuff up here and there, and, and I enjoy the, the style. I'm just curious how that's being received or what kind of feedback you get from people on that. Oh, man, well. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't continue it unless I got really good feedback from it, oh, yeah. but it's, um, it's, it's very well received it. They, uh, I, you know, I, I talked to other entrepreneurs about things like, um, return rates, mm -hmm. you know, people, uh, refund rates, people that want, you know, oh, really? refund. Okay. yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I was, yeah, I was even, I was talking to my father about this, you know, he asked, um, you know, do people return the books? I'm like, not really. I mean, after, um, like after a big sale, I might get two two refunds, right? Uh, right. All in all, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes it's it's because you know they just they thought it was something else, uh, but it wasn't it. You know, it wasn't what they're looking for. Like like a guy was looking for like a core data book, and but he bought the uh, working with data in Swift UI uh, book, right? And yeah. he's like he's like, oh, you know, I made a mistake, uh, but I've never had anyone return it because they didn't like it. You know, the, the who they, no one's ever said, you know, I don't like you know, learning visually, I want, I want paragraphs. Well, I gotta say that the price point is the price point as an, in, you know, someone who's in the, in the game, I don't think it's that expensive. I mean, like, you know, if you, if I wanted to buy equivalent book, you know, printed by O'Reilly or something like that, or even the big nerd books, you know, you're looking at 50, 60 bucks, you know, to get a book of mm -hmm. some substance. Whereas I, I think your prices are, are, are much more reasonable. And, and I know you do have sales as well, too, because I, I've taken yeah. advantage of like, you know, I think the I think the first Swift book was the Swift uh, Views one. I believe that was free, right? And then I don't remember paying was, a lot or was really low, right? Uh, there was a yeah, there was a um a quick start book. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's free. And you can still get that for free today. Yeah. So, and then you also do, I think you do the same thing that most of the uh, public, digital publishers do. And that's if there's an update and you've bought it within a reasonable amount of time, you get the free update, right? Right. Go ahead, you know, I actually, uh, that was, that's a tough thing to decide what to do yeah. um, as far as like free updates or no free updates, because, you know, I think, you know, I think a lot of software companies, they run into this too. They're like, they're like right. it's not, it's not, you know, sustainable. sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. You have to count on, um, Brand new customers every single time. Yeah, draw time. And at some point, because it's going to uh, level out and then it's going to decline. And so I was like, "How do you handle this this problem? How do you what do you do with this?" 
And I actually got the idea from uh, Ray Wenderley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at his uh, book update policies and and I adopted it. So what he said was, um, you'll get free updates if it's a minor minor updates or minor revisions, sure. um, updates and changes. But if it's a, a major rewrite, then uh, we you have to buy the book again. Right, right. And so for me, uh, I still had the uh, my Patreon audience at that time. And I asked him, I said, I said, hey, if I was going to do a major rewrite, uh, but I still wanted to give the uh, I still want to give the previous customer a discount on, you know, to up, upgrade. I mm-hmm. said, uh, how, what would you you know, what would it be at? And I think I gave him like uh, I think it was like 50 percent off, 60, 70 or 80 percent. And, mm-hmm. and most of them pick 70 percent, 70 percent off. So that's what I do. I say, uh, but like last year, there wasn't really a major rewrite. Right. Uh, it was pretty easy to to update it. You know, it's mostly like updating navigation view to navigation stack, mm-hmm. and for the most part, that it worked. You know, th- there's no errors. You could just do a co- you know search and replace, and <laughs> it worked. Um, so I didn't really charge for that, uh, and none of the other books had to be. Um, it required major effort. It did require major effort the year before. It mm-hmm. was like. Not only were there a lot of deprecations, but there are a lot of other new things added um, in it. I think the year before, man, it increased the size of the book by like 30 to 35 percent, mm-hmm. something like that. Like when I first released that book, that the first release of the book was, I think, about almost 400 pages. And now it's over a thousand pages. I was going to say your mastery book is like, yeah, 1,009 pages on the ebook, EPUB I'm looking at right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that, that thing's grown and it was mostly from, you know, like two years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was a major rewrite and I did charge for that uh, right. to upgrade. So that, that's been interesting. And for the most part, um, like I, I never got any pushback from that. I'm and not quite solo, sure. How... You're a solo author. You don't, you don't have a team of people like Ray has working for you, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I write everything start to finish. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of work. I mean, I, I have, I've worked on some of the books at Ray. I've, I've been a tech editor and I've worked with some of the uh, other authors and, and I've watched the process over there. Right. And, and it's, yeah. it's pretty hefty. I mean, you, you really need to know your stuff, but I got to say, like, just coming back to the whole, you learn a lot yourself, right. Is I yeah. can tell you an inside, inside baseball story about, about the Ray Winterlick group is we all take on a story or take on a, a course that we know maybe 30% of the content. By the time we're done, we're an expert, but like we all learn this, the, the task we're writing about as we do it kind of thing, you know? You know what? I try to convince my friends to write yeah. books all the time. And they yeah. tell me, they're like, they're like, I'm not an expert in it. And I'm like, that, it's even better when you're not an expert. Sure. Because here's, here's what I find, the reason why, and, and this seems counterintuitive, but uh, through my own personal experience, when you write about something you don't know, you're going to run into all the pitfalls. You're going to run into all the barriers. Um, you're going to run into all of the gutches, and you can write about that. Sure. You know, you can yeah. put warnings in there, like "Don't do this. You'll get an error. Don't do that. You'll get an error. Make right. sure you do this." You know, right. um, and I, I that's actually happened to me before too, where uh, I've written about something I really know, and then I get questions from you know the students or. Uh, yeah. Customers are like, well, what about, how do I do this? How do I do that? I'm like, oh man, I totally, you know, I didn't, didn't even think about that edge case. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Cause I, I'm so used to doing it one way that I don't think about like doing it these other ways. Cause you know, 
because I know that's the wrong way and I know I'm going to get air this way. So like, I didn't even cover those, those aspects of it. Mm-hmm. So I think um, if anyone's listening to this that wants to write a book, uh, don't be afraid to write it. If you don't know it hundred percent, that is actually in your favor um, because you can then pass on your trials and errors. Uh, so the next person doesn't run into those things. Yeah. Actually a friend of mine, Ryan Nystrom uh, once said, um, you know, the thing about it is, is like, you may think you're not an expert. There's one, maybe one thing, you know, like if you put that out there and you share that, on, even if it's a Twitter post or LinkedIn post or something, or just, you know, if you teach one person something that they didn't know before, you've given back to the community, right? So that's yeah. it was sort of his talk about why we do open source development or contribute to open source, right? But, but yeah, I, I take that as a sort of credo as well. Like, you know, I always want to make sure that even if, even if you already know what I'm going to tell you, you know, maybe there's a nuance that you didn't know that I, that I've yeah. experienced. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. By the way, I, I, think I have, I'm, I should write the book that I'm, I'm the worst defender of that. Cause I should be writing books and I'm, I, I do a podcast instead of writing a book. Cause it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think you'd be great at it. You know, I think, uh, it's, it's something that, yeah, everyone can benefit from. And I think that's a great attitude you have too, uh, about, um, like I never consider myself an expert, but it doesn't stop me from writing. Mm-hmm. But it also doesn't prevent me from not learning anymore. Like right. sometimes, you know, some people can consider themselves an expert, and so they don't try to learn new things, and they're and they they stop learning. Like like once you believe you know everything, yeah. you're not. It's harder to learn. <laughs> yeah, well, it's 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 interesting. I, I I'm also. I have I've been doing these talks for a couple of years, uh, conference talks about about neuroplasticity, and I because I learned one of my assignments at Ray Wonderlick was and apologies to people who've heard me tell this story before, but here we go again. Awesome. I had to write a story about you know how to keep learning after fifty, and I thought, oh, I could do that. I'm I'm in the age group. I was on the article team at Ray Wonderlick at the time, and so I picked up the the there's a wish list of articles that that Ray would put together. So I grabbed that one. I, and started researching it. And I, so I asked, reached out to my other older friends, the graybeards, as I like to call us, right? And I said, hey, how do you guys keep up to date? How do you learn and all that kind of stuff? And a friend of mine sent me over to this, this book or this course called Brain Joe, which is about learning how to play banjo, taught by a, neuro, by a neuroscientist. And he talked about how the, how the brain actually works and how memories are formed and all that kind of stuff. And I found a bunch of other lectures as well. And, and the reality is, is there is that whole thing about you can't teach an old dog new trick is complete hogwash because I'm living proof. I didn't deliver my first app until I was 50. Right. And, you know, I'm now 12 years into it and, and I, I'm constantly learning stuff, you know, I mean, I just, today I'm working on how to do test driven development because it's something I'm interested in. I go back to that trough every now and then. And, you know, today I cemented a few more neurons by doing that. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I, I don't think there's, uh, there's, I don't think there's any end to it. Yeah, no, I, I can tell you, I'm still, still learning. I learn every day, kind of thing. And but I've also, you know, having studied neuroplasticity, I, I, I now know how to hack my own brain. You mean, so tell me what what is neuroplasticity? So neuroplasticity is it's it, they they've they've it basically it's a study of brains. It's basically how memories are formed, right? And and um, so initially, you know, there's there's a when your brain is trying to figure out some new task or, or technique, and and the lady Laura Bird from UBC uh, University of British Columbia. Dr. Lara Boyd talks about how they work with stroke patients and getting them to relearn how to use other parts of their brain when part of it shuts down, which is what stroke patients are suffering from, right? And oh, okay. so, 
she talks about how how memories are formed and 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 the, the funny thing is the the name of the video is your brain will change after this talk right and so in building so what happens is you when your brain needs to learn a new thing it it creates a form a chemical um, bond in your brain be, between neurons because that's how memories are sort of stored like how the memory like if you think about like ram or, or hard drives right? or ssds yeah. um and and that memory or that that connection will dissipate over time if you don't use it right so like what did you have for breakfast this morning you you don't mean you may not remember because it's not important your brain kind of goes i don't need to hang on to that information right yeah. but if you're if you're learning a new skill or something like that um and the secret is to do it in small chunks not a 24 hour or weekend binge that doesn't really work either you feel great after like right after the it's over because you've got all these chemical knowledge in your head but nothing's permanent yet right so by doing repeated uh goes at it in small chunks around 40 minutes or so is a good session um maybe every day your brain will start to go okay well this is an important thing that mark wants to remember so let me make a structural change in his brain and it actually kind of hardwires the memory into your brain and that's why you remember skills like driving a car, brushing your teeth, and speaking another language, that kind of stuff. Because those those things your brain yeah. can always recall those quickly because they're they're permanent changes, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then if you take a bunch of these different um connections and you build them into a behavior, like a like a function or a script, if you think about it that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like how do you turn on your car, right? Every car is different, but your car is particular and and you know, you you know when you want to go to the to buy milk at the store, you get into the car. You know, you stick the key in, you check the gas, you adjust the mirrors, you put the seatbelt on, you you know, you put your indicator on, you leave and you drive into the street, right? All of that is behavior, right? So kind of like a functional uh, programming kind of thing, right? Your brain starts to put together these these connections. So you get to the point where you can go to the milk, get buy milk at the store without even remembering that you drove the car. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, yeah. It just becomes that easy. And I find it's the same thing with learning a new language or learning a programming language. Or learning like you know um i have i have uh, particular things in coding that I, I always forget to set the delegate that's my my blocker right but you know um you know if you ask me today how to create an empty array you know i've done it enough times that, that you know i can do that now right i can i can create an empty array in objective c in php and in swift because i've done those three different versions of the same thing right so um apple's making it easier for us obviously but you know but so the neuroplasticity part of it is is this is how if you understand how your brain works you can retrain your own brain so you know uh programs like noom if you want to lose weight noom uses neuroplasticity to read to break your habits and teach you new skills as well as some psychology uh duolingo if you ever used the duolingo app it teaches you how to speak other languages by if you think about it it's little tiny lessons uh you know yeah in a short you know five minutes a day they say right yeah, and over yeah. time, you know, like we went to Portugal a couple of years ago, and if I hadn't done Duolingo for like a month before I went, we had to go buy groceries after we just after we landed. You know, mm-hmm. we couldn't read the milk bottles to say, is this non-fat? Is this 2%? Uh-huh. Is it, you know, like all that kind of, and even what the word for milk was, right? I mean, if I hadn't done the Duolingo course, I wouldn't have known that word. I, I mean, I, you know, got the gender uh, wrong when I said thank you to the cashier, the, the cash, but, you know, <laughs> you know, we don't use gender in, in English, right? But, yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, by, by, by hacking my own, like learning that's, that's how I learn. So I know when I want to learn the news, like if I want to pick up your book and learn a bit more about Swift UI, I know not to try and read the whole book and then I'll be a genius, right? I know yeah. to try a little bit, take a break, go watch Mandalorian or something like that, and then come back <laughs> tomorrow, you know? And same, yeah, thing guitar, right. same thing with music. Like I, you know, I've had to play, I've been playing guitar for uh, 30 years and, and I, you know, I sucked at it when I started and, I probably sucked at it for the first 10 years, you know, if you think about yeah. it, you know, but I had, I've had to, I've had to perform publicly before and I even had to learn new songs. So I used this whole neuroplasticity trick to teach myself a song that I need to play like three or four days later. Wow. <laughs> wow that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what's the, is it what, like, what was the, the main thing to, to retain? Is it like repetition or something or? It's, you, well, didn't, you know, it's like, how do you, yeah, it is practice, 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 practice. Unfortunately, that's, that's the work, right? But I think that the trick is, um, is re repeated practice over, over a, a certain amount of time and, um, and, <clears throat> and short bursts, not like, don't, don't try and binge, don't try and think, and there's, it's not easy. I mean, it's, there's, it's not a silver bullet. There is, it is work, right? Yeah. Like the yeah. Noom program, for instance, you know, you're not going to, you, you'll lose weight initially because everybody does when they first start a diet program, right? But mm -hmm. you have to stick with it, you know, and they teach you some mindfulness and they teach you some psychology about food. You learn about different kinds of food and, and how they count towards your, your weight gain or weight loss. Right. Mm -hmm. And they also teach you about how your, your body metabolism will mess with your brain too. Like, you know, you'll go for a week at a time where you where you don't lose a pound, right? Because your your body's going, oh, well, hang on a second, there's less food coming in. I need to make some adjustments, and it starts to adjust everything, yeah. right? And if you yeah. don't learn that science, or you don't learn that bit in in that, the diet program doesn't work. And that's all the reason why people people want an easy easy fix. I want an easy fix, trust me. But <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> So, I mean, I like, for instance, if I, if I want to learn Swift UI, I mean, I'll do, I'll watch a video, I'll, you know, watch Muhammad Azam, I'll, I'll look at Hacking with Swift by Paul Hudson, yeah. you know, I'll read your books, I'll read the Ray Wenderlich books, I'll go to some LinkedIn courses, and I'll kind of come at it from different perspectives. Yeah. And by trying these different little, little tasks over time, I learned the general task of making an empty array in Swift, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. writing a test case, or, you know, or whatever the the tr the challenges right yeah you know i, I gotta tell you a uh, funny thing that happened um that i learned just this week uh when it comes to learning because because i'm the same way like what you just said you know when i want to learn something i um i start with apple mm -hmm. you know and and usually they're you know you know their help documents right so I, I start. I work, I work for the documentation team, and I, I know all about them. Yes. Oh, wow, <laughs> they've come a long way. They're actually like they're getting. There's better. there's a lot of work to be done there. Yeah, like we we know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I start there because that's the source, right? Yeah. Like they're not going to lie to me. But if I can't figure it out, then um, I'll watch a video. But then I'll watch another video to get this guy's perspective. Yeah. And then I'll I'll read this article to get this guy's perspective. And by the time like you get like these five things. You're like, like, all right, I think I have a good, you know, solution that I can implement now. Um, so this week I learned uh, another uh, thing that I can use. And I've been beta testing uh, Microsoft Bing's uh, Edge browser. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is like, I never thought I would actually install Microsoft's browser, wow. you know, on my Mac or, you know, even on my, my PC for that matter. Um but I was curious, you know, because they invested billions into, you know, uh, chat GPT. 
mm-hmm. and then uh, mm-hmm. are integrating into their browser. And I was like, I was like, let, let, let me just take a look. Let me just take a look. You know, I'm a little bit curious. So I started playing with it a little bit, and um, and I didn't quite, you know, there, there's no, uh, there isn't like a video on it yet because it's beta and it's changing. Like even while I was testing it, it, it changed, and they introduced some new things. Um, so uh, uh, Sean Allen, he 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 had a tweet earlier this week, and he says, yeah, uh, if you're going to be a developer, there's, you know, we, we he basically said you need to learn how to read Apple documentation because we can't, as content creators, we can't write and podcast and and had videos on everything. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna run and you're gonna have to use it. And I'm like, I started thinking, I'm like, I wonder if you, this tool that I'm looking at can help with reading documentation. So I did oh, some really? experiments with it. Now you got my attention. Yes. Yeah. So I just <laughs> made and, and what happens is so you have the browser open, right? And I just put out a little video on this on Twitter. Uh because earlier this week I I I I mentioned I'm like, I'm like, hey, I want to do a test real quick. So I couldn't think of like a, a hard topic off the top of my head. So I put a tweet on that. I said, tell me, tell me something that's really hard for you to learn. Um, it can be one word, you know, in the Swift language or some concept. And um, and I got, you know, a, a bunch of initial replies. And so I said, I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, use this tool to read the documentation, and then I'm gonna create a quick blog article on it, you okay. know, and see like how fast it, it can do. Uh, I can do it. So I found out a bunch of interesting things. Um, so first of all, this side panel that opens up in your browser. So you have, you know, Apple's documentation. Then you have the side panel that opens up. And that's the that's the AI part, right? This is the, this is Bing? In yeah, this is in the Bing? their okay. edge developer. Edge, right. Edge, yeah. Yep. Yeah. But it's called Bing Chat or Bing yeah. Discover. Okay. Right. Um so the side panel opens up and that side panel is aware of the contents that you're looking at. That's, oh, cool. you know in that tab. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can say, uh, give me a summary of, of what's on this page. And um, it'll tell you, it'll, it'll start to print out. It says, well, you know, what they're trying to teach here is this and that and this and that. And you're like, wow. You know, so, and, the, and then um, I, I experimented with a bunch of prompts and I found out all you have to say is summarize. And it'll give you like a little paragraph of what's on the page. Or you can say takeaways and that will give you bullets, you know, key takeaways. It'll give you like, you know, a few bullets of uh, key takeaways on that page, what's being taught. And then I did this little experiment. It's in this video that's on Twitter. So I did this little experiment where I got to a um, a page that, you know, that just has the, the signature, right, of the mm-hmm. function, but maybe like one line of description for it. And, and there's no code examples, no, descri- you know, no description to kind of figure out what it is. So um, I, and so I typed in something like, uh, explain this topic to me like I'm a five-year-old. <laughs> and it started to, you know it like printed out it says imagine if you have a box of toys you know it starts off with something like that wow right? yeah 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 it was it was amazing and then um i also noticed that you can change the age too. like explain this to me like i'm 14 years old right and it uses right. a different concept like say you have a deck of cards you know mm. it was, uh, this was like on a navigation stack um it was teaching me or navigation view it was teaching me about navigation view and then um and then I also found out that you could, uh, so on that, that help page, there was no code sample. So I said, uh, show me some code samples on how to use uh, this function. Or, or yeah, I think it was, a, it was a function. Show me some code examples on how to use this function. And it printed it out, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just from the, like, using that AI chat, you know, I could get a summary, I could get key takeaways, and I could get code samples on how to use um, what was in the Apple documentation. And That's so cool. I, yeah, 
So I use that, you know, when people gave me um, ideas, I use that and I try to like, you know, uh, you know, explain it to me, give me the summary. And then I put them all, all together and I put it into a, uh, uh, a blog using Medium. And, and then I put the link back to them. Like it only took about, mm, I'd say like maybe 20 minutes per topic because uh, some things like you can say, explain it to me like I'm five but they'll still use technical words that they don't introduce and explain that. And that's one of the ways that I like to teach, uh, whether it's in the books or uh, in my videos on YouTube. Um, when I come up with a new uh, word that I need to introduce to the audience, I'll tell them what the word means first. Um, so I think it was like, I forget which, which article it was, but like, for example, they mentioned concrete type. And I'm like, you know, if it, this is a beginner, he might not know what a concrete type is. So then I had to add, you know, a concrete type is this and that and this and that. And, that. Right. and then, you know, then I could put the code sample in there. Um, now, that was pretty cool. That was a pretty cool experiment where I could get answers uh, in a way that, like, I could understand and make it um, easier for me to digest. But uh, one of the, like, dangers to it, too, is um, someone told me, like, uh, luckily I had someone to actually read it. <laughs> and then they got back to me and they said, you know, I think part of this is, uh, is old. You know, it might be a little bit outdated uh, and they do it this way now or, you know, that's good for this, but um, we don't really use the situation. So you could like learn from AI, but you just have to be a little bit wary. You know, that yeah, you I had could... heard that. I had heard that. And I think ChatGPT told me that they're the it's a couple of years behind. Like it, uh, it's only been yeah. trained to 2021 or something like that. 21. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So there's there's challenges to that, but yeah, that's a really cool hack. I've I've actually done it. I actually I used to interview a lot of engineers. Uh, still, right now I'm not hiring, so I'm not really interviewing them. So I decided to interview ChatGPT as an iOS engineer, and I published uh -huh. it on my blog. <laughs> so I went through all the questions that I would ask an engineer. There was only one or two areas where it kind of got it wrong, and if I corrected it and asked the question a different way, it came back with the right answer. So I published all that, including the, the wrong answers. Right, and that's interesting. Uh, yeah, and and I've asked it to write a description of of my podcast. Like, tell me what do you know about this podcast? And it wrote me a really amazing description. So that's now on my website. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I was just I was just using a Chat GPT, not not a yeah, nothing. Um, and see, that's another weird thing too. Like, I know I get two different responses from both engines. Um, oh yeah, I thought I thought like Microsoft was using straight Chat GPT. Yeah. I don't think it is. It, it's really strange. It um. So I see it. I think it actually combines search and AI. Because sometimes I'll ask it a question, and then it will show me it's searching. It's actually searching for different things, mm. and then it, but then it writes it. You know, uh, compiled from the internet and from AI or its, it's training model. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So th it's kind of strange. I don't know exactly like what they're doing there. I haven't looked into it. But what what I was going to tell you was uh, so I was using ChatGPT and I. Uh, you know, come, with a new book I'm coming out with, I'm like, I'm like, I wonder if it can write copy for me. Right. Uh, so I said, tell me the, and you know, and there's this, there's this line like when you sell something, uh, it's called feature benefit meaning. Oh, really? You know? okay. And that's that's a way to like say, oh, you know, instead of saying this book is, um, this book is 500 pages. You know, that's a feature, right? But what? Who cares? What's that? What's the benefit of that? And what does that mean? So you say, this book is 500 pages. The benefit of that is that it has, you know, everything you need to know. Um, and then that means that it'll save you time from having to go to different sources. And, uh, so you, and so you can get 
solutions quicker and implement solutions faster, right? Nice, that yeah. feature benefit me. So I tried to ask ChatGPT to write that for me, and it kept messing up. Like, oh, yeah. like oh. it should be one sentence, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, this and that, and this and that, and this and that. You know, feature benefit meaning. But it kept, you know, uh, like creating like bullets, like feature, blah blah blah, benefit, blah blah blah, meaning, blah blah blah. And so after a few tries, it like I couldn't get it right. So then I'm like, I wonder if I can ask it how I should tell, you know. Like so, so I asked ChatGPT. I'm like, tell me how I am supposed to ask you to get feature benefit meaning in one sentence. Oh, really? Right, and it cool. told me. It says, nice. it says, if you tell, if you ask me this way, I'll be able to to write it for you. And so I did. And I started to realize. So I, you know, like I, I've been watching like a lot of videos of like um, prompt engineering. You know, uh, you know, if you want to get this result, you ask this way. If you want to get this result, you ask it this uh, way. Right. And then all of a sudden, I realized. You know, you don't have to remember any of that, any prompt engineering, because you can ask ChatGPT how to prompt itself. You cool. know, if you want, like, if you want something and you're not getting the right answer, ask it. Say, how should I ask you? <laughs> and I'll tell you. It's like, ask me this way. I'll tell you. <laughs> well, let's 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 talk about your core data book that's coming out. Because um, I, I actually grabbed the the I guess a preview that you created, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Because I'm actually working on. I, I've been using Core Data for years and years of Objective C and Swift myself like that. And and I'm really curious about how to use it in Swift UI. All of the courses I've gone through, except for one online, take you through the basics of Core Data with a single entity. Right. The challenge I have is my apps all have multiple entities and they're all related to each other. Right. Because I come from relational database kind of design. Right. And Absolutely. so that's the that. Uh, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but <laughs> that's what I'm kind of looking forward to is your perspective on that. Hopefully it's in the book, but, uh, yeah. and I mean, so why don't you tell the audience about your, what your book is going to cover and, and what are the feature benefits and the uh, meaning of your book? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I actually, uh, I also come back, come from a relational database, uh, background as well. Sure. Uh, old time developer. And, uh, I'm, I'm, probably close to an age to you. I'm 52. I just turned 52. Right. And so uh, I remember taking that course in college and thinking, what am I going to use this for? And it ended up being the most beneficial course, you know, I ever took. Really? Yeah. Uh, so, and, it, and it's strange too, because, you know, you see a lot of like statements that like, you can't think of, you know, core uh, data, like a relational database. And I'm like, I can. Yeah. And it works just fine, you know? <laughs> But but it's, there's there's a translation layer. Like if you understand that translation layer, you're like yeah, okay, that's that's fine. Um, but the book, I I I actually have a teaching methodology that I kind of developed, um, and and I shared with uh, my patrons when I had Patreon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I start with concepts. I make sure they're you know I I get all the words uh, because you know it's like the, all of our audiences are it's multinational, right? Right. So yeah. you can't. I don't use big words at all. And when you do uh, introduce a word, you you define it and let them know what it means. And maybe give them an example. Uh, so I start with concepts first, and then I think you saw that in the in the in the book, um, the quick start book that I uh, was having people beta read and give feedback on. Mm -hmm. So I do that with with uh, a lot of the chapters too. I start with concepts. I show diagrams. I show you know just I tell them uh, for complicated things. I'm like, there's three major steps. These are the three major steps I'm going to walk you through. Um, and I show them a little diagram. We're going to go from here. We're going to go here. And then we're going to go here. Okay, let's get into step one. You know, and then I, I take them to do that. Um, 
And I do cover relationships, like you were saying, uh, which is fun. That, that was a fun chapter uh, to go through, um, except for one. One of the relationships was a self-referencing relationship. Oh, yeah. Where mm. book references itself. And it wouldn't have been so complicated. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was going to be easy because this guy, I have this guy asking me a lot of questions. He doesn't ask me questions. He, he sends me these super long emails. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember one of the things he wanted to do, he was trying to do, he's like, he's like, I have a table and I want to show hierarchical data. You know, um, I'm like, that should be easy. And I'm like, you use a self-referencing, you know, entity, uh, you know, has a relationship to itself, you know, mm. like, like parent child. Right. And it turns out it wasn't easy. And uh, it took me a while to figure it out. Uh, but eventually did. the thing that made it not easy was I wanted specifically to use um, two, two controls. I wanted to use the, uh, the list view, which has a, a children parameter. Uh, so that will create, you know, that your hierarchy. And I want to use outline group, which is uh, similar uh, to, you know, shows hierarchical data and you can configure it anyway. Um, and it wouldn't work with those. And it was tricky. Uh, like that took a lot of research uh, to do that. But it was in, in the end, I was like, I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is so useful. You know, I can totally see how this is going to like help someone. So that was fun. Um, CloudKit was was a joy. Um, so let me back up, you know, before this, like core data, I had used it before Swift UI and, and it was not fun. <laughs> it was, it was not fun at all. Um, it was confusing for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I ran the trouble and, uh, I, I eventually, uh, I, I gave it up, you know? Um, and I thought, I'm like, well, I'll wait till it gets easier. Uh, and it didn't really seem like it was getting easier, uh, until, uh, Swift UI came out and they came out with fetch request. And I started looking at it again, and then they made some, you know, big, big changes where they, uh, you know, they brought a lot of these tools together into one tool. I, I, I don't want to use like technical terms, but you know what I mean? Like they, they had yeah. this huge stack that you had to set up all these pieces before of the stack. And now you can, you can take all those tools and they're, they're all in one and it's just a few lines of code and, and it's all initialized for you. It's like right. yep. magic. Yep. Um, so you know, going through that was it, was, it was just an absolute joy of like how easier things have become um, and how nice things have become, uh, especially working with Swift UI uh, and just getting it set up. Uh, another I, thing I really that, like, the, like the cloud kit piece because I mean, like for me, when I'm working on stuff, like I, I'm, I like to say I'm from Missouri. I like to see it, right? And, yeah. and I'm not from Missouri, but that's just an expression, right? When I uh, was working with an original, uh, piece that I was, I'm trying to refactor an, an existing database. So I'm trying to work with the exact the database I've got now, which is probably the first mistake I'm mistake making, right? I mean, not database, but I'm working with a core data mob, right? And um, okay, mom, gotcha. mom object, right? But the mm -hmm. what I liked about it was I could, if I soon, as soon as I hooked up CloudKit, I could actually go over to cloud, to the cloud interface, you know, the, the dashboard, and I could actually create records over there. You know, because it, it's easier for somehow it's easier to see some things over there than it is over here on in cloud in core data. So I just because I just want to get some data into the into the box so that I could start playing with it, manipulating it, right? So and I wasn't I hadn't made my new let's create a new record view yet, right? Yeah. So yeah, and I, I just found that super useful. And then the beauty of that is that, you know, um, you know, I can I can work on my iPad here or I can work on the simulator or I can work on my phone and it's the same data across yeah. the board right so which is really kind of cool you know yeah that's it yeah it was it was uh 
um, yeah, they they did a great job making that more accessible to yeah. us developers. Definitely, definitely. Well, I mean, and what I've always liked about Core Data is, you know, I, I used to teach an Objective C course back in the day, and uh, you know, like if you've ever done any kind of CRUD development, you know, create, reuse, update, delete, it's all you had to do it all, right? In Core Data, you just kind of said, "Here's the object, save it." Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. give me the object back you know yeah. that that in itself is like worth the price of admission for sure like i yeah and you know when uh, core data gets a lot of beat gets a lot of beatings from people because you're like you said it is it was difficult it is kind of difficult to sort of get your head wrapped around the fact it's not a relational database right yeah. it's not an sql table it's not you know it's all of that combined with a yeah. bunch of secret sauce that apple's put in there right and I mean, I really got into it because I was I wanted to write iOS apps and Mac apps that would talk to each other. And, you know, that was I think Leopard was when uh, Core Data came out, I think right when I was first, first starting. And so that's why I chose to go down that route. I never actually got around to building the Mac app. But, you know, yeah. the fact that I that, that I was using Core Data meant that I could at some point. Right. So, yeah. yeah so it's kind of cool. I actually want to ask you. So you mentioned a couple of times your team and your and the work you're doing right now. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing and where you're working? And is it a full time contract? Uh, yeah, no, it's actually um, it's one of the first full time jobs that I've ever had. Uh, before this, I was doing web development um, yeah. and writing uh, web services and creating web uh, applications used internally. Right. Uh, that, that's one of my criteria for. Um, for apps is I only work on internal apps because and you know I never want to work uh, on a public facing app because then you're talking about like weekends and support right and right. after hours support so I'm like oh wait uh, so where I work now is is awesome and I, it was actually my first iOS job um, paid job you know what right. I mean for yeah. iOS development and uh, a friend of mine told me about it they're looking for someone. And so I applied and I got the job and it's, it's awesome. It's so awesome because they, before I got there, uh, there's only six of us on the team. And before I got there, they had already worked out with management uh, to work remotely hundred percent. And this is back in 2015, you know, so it wasn't like too common back then, right? Uh, but they swung it, you know, they got it. And not only did they get that, but they also convinced them uh, to work uh, four or 10 hour days, right? which is right. like, it's not very common, you know? Uh, so that alone, the benefits were fantastic. And having that Friday off, you know, opened up a lot of opportunities for me, you know, as far as like Big Mountain Studio. Because sure. now you get like an extra day where you can dedicate your Fridays to working um, on your on your own stuff. Uh, so that really helped out. And uh, we work on... Oh, man, we made a mistake, Tim. We made a huge mistake. We adopted uh xamarin to oh. build the next app okay it looked amazing on paper you know it's like because we had an, three android developers and we had three uh, ios developers okay. and we're like how can we reuse you know some of these components because we're building the same app together mm. and uh xamarin looked amazing and uh and it turned into like the biggest nightmare ever uh we'll never do it again and that app is like uh we maintain it, but we don't add new features to it, and um, we're gonna we're gonna be sunsetting it at some point. We have we have a lot of analytics on it, so we know what people use the most and what what they don't, and so we want to uh, merge that into either our new app or um, a new like specialized app. Uh, but that, that's for management, marketing, and sales to 
What, what uh, is the app? What's the app do? What is it? What's it for? Yeah. So uh, the Xamarin app. Yeah. 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 Well, so the company that I work for, uh, they make health products, vitamins, minerals, and uh, health health foods. Are they in Vermont based or or the remote? Oh, no, this is in Utah. Utah. Okay. Oh, okay. So you're still working for the same people. Yep. Yep. Okay. Cool. And um, yeah. So the app that we worked on was uh, was for the salespeople where they could keep track of like contacts, um, uh, arrange uh, deliveries. Uh, they could also uh, use it to uh, promote the company and to, to share and uh, to, to get, you know, uh, leads and, and connections and sales and stuff like that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that, that was that app. It was kind of like a CMS, uh, CMS app, you know, to mm-hmm. keep track of people. And a lot of that, like we fought a lot of that, uh, the, the guy that wanted all these features in it were like, you know, our, our, the, a person's phone can do most of that stuff. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it's cool that we had the analytics in it because we could, we could see, or management could see that like parts of those app, you know, a lot of that, a lot of those parts weren't even used. Um, but some of the parts, the sharing parts were used tremendously. Uh, so people really liked it for the sharing. So we're going to move that into something else. Um, our new app is uh, completely in Swift UI and Jetpack Compose, and it's just been a complete pleasure to work on. Mm. You know, it's, we don't even we don't even support because um, it's not released yet. We don't have to like support two versions back or one version back. Right. So we're supporting like the most current version uh, right now because it probably won't get released till like iOS seventeen. Oh, you know? really? Okay. Yeah. Um, and so. so- I was going to I was going to ask I mean everybody knows how to do this now because we all work remote for the last 3 years but like how did you guys manage the whole how do you manage like communication like what tools do you use do you use like tools like Zoom or WebEx to communicate like yeah. how, do you, how do you keep in touch with the team Yeah so we um we use uh Slack right and back then well, actually first we used uh, Google Hangouts mm-hmm. uh then we moved to Slack when that came out um and we would use Zoom, but we would also go into the office every once in a while too. Our okay. sprints are three weeks long. Oh, okay. Uh, so we would go into the office like uh, uh, every three weeks. We'd go in for the uh, the sprint review, retro, and, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah cool. exactly. Um, and we'd see each other and we'd have lunch. Uh, and then a uh, few of us uh, lived pretty close to each other, so we would actually get together and work at like Starbucks or you know oh, okay. the library or something like that. Um, so, you know, we loved hanging out, uh, and it's, it's, it's a rare thing, you know, when everyone on the team like loves each other, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but luckily it's like, you know, that that's, that's just the way it is. Um, we all like, uh, you know, we've all been working with each other for like seven years now and we all get along really great. And, uh, so another thing we do is, um, so team activities are like important to us and, uh, that's what we tell management. So we can have barbecues. <laughs> so, so we get together for barbecues, nice, you know, yeah. during the day. And we'll invite our managers and supervisors. And uh, cool. so that's fun too. Anyway, so we, uh, I do have another part of the, the show and we've gone, on, we've gone on quite a while. If you're okay, I want to ask you a few questions if, you got, if you're still okay to, to carry on. These, are, these yeah, are more sure. fun. They're a bit more about Mark than they are about the books and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. so if you're ready and you're seated comfortable, we can get started. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Let's go ahead. All right, well, the first one is, what is your motto? A motto? Wow, that's a good question. I never really uh, thought about it. 
Um, I feel like I kind of have to uh, generate one on the spot here. <laughs> Ask ChatGPT. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> we can come back to it if you like. Yeah, let's come back to it. All right. Well, let, let me let me ask you this question. Uh, what's your favorite word? My favorite word? <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite word, Tim? Uh, insourceled. <laughs> insourceled? Yeah. <laughs> I got that one That's from my wife, actually. But, but there is another word that I used a lot when I was a teenager, but because it, it's, it, it's a derivative fire truck. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, no, I probably and I probably say right far too often because because like, you know I'm Canadian, so we say a a lot. But I also find that Canadians also say right. You know, we will tell uh, you something and we'll say right. You know, yeah. So I say that a lot. And and lately, uh, when I'm trying to explain something and I'm and you get that mental pause, I've been I picked up this up for a friend of mine. I keep saying you know, you know what I mean, you know, when you're trying to tell a story, you know, and you don't know how to, you know, like these are filler words, and you know, you go to Toastmasters to learn to break that stuff. But uh, um, yeah. So I, if you're, if you're I, stumped I'm, on the favorite word, we can move on. <laughs> I do have a favorite word. Okay. Uh, it'll take some explaining. Um, All right. Yeah, no, that's the whole point. You tell me the word and then you explain it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, uh, I don't know. The team that I work on right now is fantastic. They're like my best friends. Um, and none of us ever want to leave, you know? Uh, so it's like the dream team. And I, I noticed this at my previous job that... There's a strange phenomena that that starts to happen when I I start to get to know people well, and uh, and and we, and we both like like each other, and it's uh, we start sinking on our thoughts. Like I I'll mm-hmm. I'll start thinking about something, and then you say it, or you'll start thinking about something, and I say it, and um, there's no explanation for it. We don't I don't know why it happens, but uh, it started happening to all of us on our team, and. Um, and it started happening uh, quite often where at first it was scary and now we're just kind of used to it. And so my friend, he invented a word for it. He says that he says it's called uh he says he says we have we're starting to develop a cognitive connection. <laughs> like cognitive connection, that's good. And then yeah. and, you know, as we all started using it, then we shorted it to cogcon, you know. Mm. We're like we're like, oh man, we we got good cogcon going on today, you know. Right. And, and then, and then one guy started calling it cognoggin, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so now we say cognoggin, or cognoggin. just noggin for short. Got some good cognoggin going there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Cool. Well, you're like, I never said you couldn't invent your own word for this question, right? So yeah. um, let me move to a different kind of question. What is the best sandwich? Oh, man. You know, um, so I, this is actually my parents' house. And uh, my my father had some uh, health issues, so you know th- this was a good opportunity for for me to uh, get some space and then also help uh, my my parents. Family, sure, yeah, yeah. They they have a garden, you know. It's, it's, this is the house I grew up in. And we have a garden. We worked in a garden and everything uh, every summer. And uh, so I I started making this sandwich, and my mom will bake bread, you know. Nice, so, yeah. So I have uh, tomatoes from the garden, not right now, but, uh, and she has chickens too. So uh, one of my favorite sandwiches to make is like, um, it's a egg with a tomato, tomato slices and uh, Vermont sharp cheddar cheese, you nice, know, like yeah, yeah. Known for like their, their cheddar cheese. So uh, that's, that's currently my favorite sandwich. Cool. Yeah. I like a good sharp cheddar as well. Um, yeah. Have you ever asked anybody for their autograph? No, 
No, I haven't. I've, I've never met anyone famous. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I'm one of those people that are in the wrong place uh, at the wrong time. So, I mean, I ask authors all the time. So fair warning to you, if I ever meet you and I have your book in my hand, you're going to sign it for me. Okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, I think that, uh, I mean, I, I studied art in university. So, I mean, like to me, signing a piece is, is putting your name on it. Like this is some sort of quality, you know, it's, and I just, I like to recognize people by asking them to sign their work. Right. Yeah. What is your favorite smell? Um, I would have to say, uh, roses, roses. Uh, yeah, we, we would have, uh, soaps, uh, rose scented, um, soaps that would have like liquid soap or stuff like that. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I just like it. <laughs> okay, cool. What number am I thinking of? Eight. Oh, no, wrong. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nobody's ever got it right. Uh, what's your favorite action movie? Favorite action movie. All right. Well. Do you know that movie Snatch? Yeah, had a uh, Jason Statham and Brad Pitt. Yes, yes, yes. When when I first saw it, it was not my favorite action movie. Oh, really? Uh, but the funny thing about that movie is that it's so damn quotable mm-hmm. that, that you know my friends and I started quoting it so much that it soon became like a cult classic favorite action movie. Yeah, I think that's the one with Brad Pitt. He's he's the Pikey, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Have you ever seen Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? That's the yeah. one that came before that one, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Was that Guy Guy Ritchie? Is that the director? Guy Ritchie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I used to go to I used to go to with a friend of mine, we used to go see movies every Friday and uh we stumbled <laughs> across Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and then just that whole all those actors, you know, Jason Statham, all those kind of guys that just became, you know, the 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 group of movies to watch. But well, speaking of movies, here's another question for you. Uh where has it? Um I think it's Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, or Babylon Five. You know, it it used to be Star Wars, mm-hmm. but there's a funny thing that happens with time that I wasn't quite aware of until recently. Is that movies you thought were your favorites back then, and you still held them in high regard? Sometimes you watch them again when you're older, and you're like, "It's not as good as I thought it was." Right. <laughs> oh, like I remember telling my my ex wife, I'm like, like. Like you never seen Star Wars? What? You never saw Star Wars? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I told her, I'm like, I'm like, we're gonna watch it, and yeah. I, I watched, I watched it with her, and she's like, you know, not impressed or anything, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, Are we talking about New Hope, by the way? But which of which of the Star Wars is your favorite movie? It was a New Hope, uh, or The Empire Strikes Back. That's also like really good too. Yeah, because uh, it seems to have more humor in it. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> A little bit more, but uh, yeah, that was uh, so it used to be Star Wars, but I think it's now it's like Star Trek. Any particular Star Trek? Um, the one, uh, what was it the one with John Luke Picard? Is the one I kind of like more grew up with. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, the next generation, generation? The, the one from the 80s, yeah, right next That's generation. one I, I, I more grew up with and watched more, right? Um, right, cool, yeah, yeah. Um, which living person do you admire the most, you know? Uh, I just mentioned this the other day on Twitter. Um, it's no one like super famous, but you know, Sean Allen uh, has really impressed me a lot because mm-hmm. uh, he he came in a little after like uh, I did as far as like uh, starting our YouTube channels, and that guy is just like like took off, you know, and 
The thing I admire about him the most is um, his persistence, you know, because I see a lot of people, including myself, who start a YouTube channel, they go strong for a while and, uh, and it's fun for a while, but then it's like, it starts to become a job and then it's not fun anymore. You know, it's, it's no longer fun and the pay isn't all that great either. Uh, (laughs) This is my eighth year. This is my eighth year doing this podcast, by the way. Yeah. Okay. I think, so waiting for it to pay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I I admire him uh, for you know the progress he's made. You know who else I admire too is uh, uh, Chris Ching uh, mm-hmm. because he's he's the same way. He's persisted and persisted. And I had the uh, the good fortune to uh, meet him last summer. Yeah. Uh, in Toronto, uh, in the outskirts of Toronto, um, like nicest guy ever you know like you might think that nice guy attitude you know on his youtube channel is just an act but it's not (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's generally super nice yeah you know uh, we we spoke together at uh uh swift toronto um 2019 yeah i met him there yeah good guy you're right you're right very supportive like he, he follows me on twitter he follows me on linkedin and yeah, I always get a good nod, you know, thumbs up or like from him for sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, what's the one thing you own that you should really throw out? Hmm. That see, that's a really hard question because I usually throw out things as soon as I don't need them. Oh, I live, okay. I live so light. Most of my most of my life was uh, was doing um, contract work, and mm-hmm. uh, and I would move from city to city, right. you know, to do contracts and everything I owned fit in my car. Right. So, uh, it was super easy to get up. So you're not like you know? a pack rat like me, like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't have a lot and still like everything I own probably fits in my truck. Um, mm-hmm. although I did get a new, uh, electric motorcycle. So that probably, I have an electric dirt bike and now I have an electric motorcycle. So cool. I should probably get rid of the dirt bike. That's what I should get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is it is dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the electric bike. Tell me about that. What's what's that? What's it, is it like a chargeable and runs just like a regular gas driven bike? Bike. Yeah. Yeah. It's um except there's no shifting involved, uh, okay. so it's it's easier. It's right. easier to drive. Um, unfortunately, I I just got it delivered in January. You know, in in Vermont, <laughs> yeah. and we had we had one day where it got up to fifty degrees. You know, so it was kind of warm, and so I I took it out uh, for eleven miles. 11 mile uh, road trip. Right. Um, but it, it was, it was fun. Yeah. It's electric. Um, it'll go, uh, like it'll go 110 kilometers per hour, 110, right. 120. Hmm. Uh, so you can take it on the interstate and, uh, but it's still small and nimble enough where, you know, it's easy to control. You feel like you're in control of it. Like I've had, I've had, uh, motorcycles that were like, um, you know, cruiser motorcycles that are like really yeah. big. Yeah. And I never enjoyed them that much because they were, it, it, you don't really get this good feeling of control over it. Like, you know, when you're on a bicycle, like you're in control of that bicycle, right, you know, it's right, light, right. you can maneuver it quickly and easily and stop fast. Um, but with a big motorcycle like that, it's your, your control uh, diminishes. Um, so this bike that I got, uh, it, it can go fast, but it's also uh, smaller and lighter too. It's only like 400 pounds. What's the most used app on your phone? Reminders reminders you don't, you don't have to go and look at the the screen time thing to, to know that <laughs> uh maybe i should uh, <laughs> but it's 
that thing, I I use it to manage manage my life because I have man, Tim, I'll have I have like you know twenty ideas in one day, mm-hmm. and I'll lose half of them. Right. Uh, and and so what I if unless I write it down uh, in reminders app and then give it a um, a timeline, yeah, give it give it a due date, yeah. Uh, it's I, you know at this point in my life, I've really gotten to a point where. Um, I have to like remove useless knowledge or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, data and everything now for me, I'm kind of like on this new trend for maybe like the last year, um, data has to be actionable. Otherwise, you know, as far as like value, if it, it's, it's okay, it might be interesting and I have entertainment value if I learn some trivia, but, um, there's also data that you can use and work with, uh, that has value especially it, but that's the key thing is you have to use it or take action with it. Right. Otherwise, you know, there's, there's no value for me. Uh, so what I do is um, I have a lot of categories in my reminders app and I have like a, like, and I have uh, a, a category for every book. So I'll see something. I'm like, Oh, that'd be a great addition that, you know, to add to, uh, to, to this book. And I'll add a reminder to it. Um, so then when I periodically go through and update a book, uh, I just go through the reminders, you know, the tasks. Uh, when I have a, a, an idea to do something, um, it's not, it's not enough for me. It's not enough to have an idea and say, I'm going to do this at some point in the future. It'll never get done. You know, <laughs> it never get done. I have to give it a day and a time, you know, or else yeah, yeah. I'll look at it again. Uh, yeah. so the writers app is highly used. Yeah, no, that's a definitely, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's one of the things I suffer from because I, 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 I'm, I, I probably, I, I do use the reminders for exactly the same reason, but like when I go to a place, I like that it tells me don't go to that restaurant. You know, you were, it didn't, it didn't sit well with you last time you went there kind of thing. But, or, you know, when I was coming, when I was going to work every day and coming home, I had to like do manage the mail server or move this or do that or send this email when I get to work. And it, so I would use the locations to notify me when I got to yeah. a place. Right. So that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. So I, I've used the reminders, probably don't use it as much now that we're working from home, but there you go. Cool. I, all right. We'll get back to the questions. Um, what uh, we asked you that one already. So describe the, the rest of your life in five words. Wow. How do you come up with these questions, Tim? They're written down for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I know what it is. Okay. It's always be learning new games. New games. And games. That's, that's a funny, that's a funny term. And it's not, doesn't quite mean what you might think it means uh, for me. But like games are like, uh, here's how I define games. Uh, games are something that has a reward to it. Games have rewards. Uh, they have barriers, um, and then you know you there, and the barriers aren't so big that you can't, you know, you can't get over them, and they're not so easy. Uh, so you, you know, like there are no barriers because uh, then it wouldn't be a game. Um, so games to me are like things that like Big Mountain Studio is a game for me. Uh, work is a game for me. It's fun to play. Uh, there's definitely rewards to it, um, and. Uh, and learning in itself is a game. You know, there's barriers. There's things that aren't easy to learn. But once you do, it's like, you know, you uh, you feel great about it. And you have a new skill set. And you can use it and apply it. Um, so I think that definitely is something that uh, I'm interested in doing. Um, you know, we're getting close to the age where, you know, we're thinking about, like, retiring, right? And and I know uh, some people that, that have retired and... Uh, you know, the one thing that's kind of sad is they lose, they start losing their games. Right. They start becoming bored. 
right? I think you have, to, like, you have to find new games when you retire, for sure. Yeah. You got to find new games. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, so I hope to always be doing that. Uh, I love, I love teaching people. It's like no greater satisfaction. So in order to teach people, you have to learn things. <laughs> right. And so, and so you find the things that you love, that you love, you know, the things that are, that are fun to play. And, uh, and then you, you play with those like the AI, you know, you learning that AI, that was so much fun. And then, uh, you know, that I, I hope to teach people more, um, like at work earlier this week, I actually was teaching them uh, how to use AI uh, so right. we can do our jobs better, you know, or faster, or learn, you know, learn, you know, um, an easier way. Uh, cool. So that that's I think that is that works for me. So what are the five words again? Always be learning new games. Always be learning new games. So now, now what's your motto? Always be learning new games. Always be learning new games. Yeah. I like it too. I like it. I like how you brought that around there. It wasn't intentional. It just it was a happy accident. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at the end of the show. So uh wanted to tell people where they can get in touch with you. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh so you can uh find me there. Uh Are you on Mastodon yet or no? I'm not. I haven't made the switch. Um I've been pretty busy with the book. Sure. Uh so after that gets released, I'll have some free time. Uh Maybe a couple of weeks after I'll have some free time because you know there's always those things where you have to like there's a misspelling on this page and you got to fix it and redeploy it or you know something like that. Do you have an editor? Uh, or do you have somebody proofread your work or? or I have I have beta readers. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah, I have beta readers uh, that get early editions. You know, <laughs> you know what I do with them is um, so I'm 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 part of this huge Utah community. And uh, and I have friends on there that I talk with uh, all the time. iOS developers, you know, sure. Uh, yeah. when we go to meetups together, and um, so when I create, what I'll do is I'll change the cover of the book, and I'll say that you know this is the you know the the Dave Nutter edition. Right, right. <laughs> Dave yeah. Nutter is one of the guys in our community. Yeah. He's on Twitter. He's on Twitter too. He does a lot of Swift UI work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I personalize their their editions. You know, when I give it to them. Cool. Oh, they get printed copies. No, they get they get digital copies. The digital copies, okay, yeah. So you just yeah, cool, neat. Yeah, well, you can always add me to a beta list if you want. <laughs> yeah, you. I'll definitely. Yeah, I'll I'm, send you. I'm a always copy. into. I'm always into like the new stuff. I, I beta read a few few people's work as well. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm just gonna wrap up. So my name is Timitra T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine and the Mastodon. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I got a point here. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And of course, you know, don't forget Big Mountain Studios is your YouTube channel. I don't know if you've had any recent episodes, but you should subscribe subscribe over there too, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I plan on making videos. Like, I, I, you know, after the divorce, I don't have my equipment anymore, yeah. so I have to uh, figure a way to. I, I started today because I made that video for Twitter. Okay. So I started today, like, oh, I need new, uh, I need new equipment. Cool. All right. Well. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC, and we may mention you on the show. Friends of the show can also join us on the podcast Slack channel. 
Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Every dollar pledged helps a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. We started in, in 2014. It was just a bunch of three or four of us got together to do this show. And then I I learned audio editing in, in university traditionally, not, not you know, with, with actual tape and stuff. I'm not uh, you know, so I used, I used Final Cut Pro and I used um, Logic to, to put the show together. And it was like, I think it was about three or four weeks in and I went, wait a minute, this is becoming a job. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, I'm now, you know, this is now we're actually coming up on our ninth anniversary in August, right? So... Wow. Been at it for a while, and then this isn't the only podcast I do. I also do one on on sci-fi shows as well, right? So, yeah. Hey, have you thought about like hiring someone to do your editing? <laughs> yeah, again, to come back to that, I have no money. <laughs> I don't mind doing yeah. it. So I, I kind of, I kind of do it. I, I, you know, my grandson was was interested in in doing it, but you know, um, he's a bit more perf- of a perfectionist than I am, right? So, like, I mean, at, there's the eighty twenty rule. Like, you know, I can't fix every single mistake and I mean, I've been on podcasts where people didn't even edit the audio afterwards, right? So I, I do go through and I'll remove the blurps. And you like when you were sitting there, like going, you know, thinking about your answer, I, I'll cut that out, right? So yeah, yeah. But, but you know, because people just don't need to sit through that. No offense, right? Exactly. <laughs> or when you're typing, you know, when I'm recording, a, yeah. I'm kind of a slower typer. Yeah, oh yeah, so yeah. In my videos, like I'll speed that up. Yeah, that's they do that at Ray Remlick, or they were doing it. I don't know if they're still doing it now, but it's funny because. Couple of times that I did the the uh, videos, um, my friend Tammy Coron, who I did one of the podcasts with, she told me about this software. I think it's called Type Maestro or something like that. And you can write all, you can script it all. You you enter all the text in, and then you when you go to you're on the in Xcode or whatever you want to, you know, you put your cursor and you say, and you, I'm not going to type this this method out. It's actually the Type Maestro that goes ding 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 and puts all the characters in, right? <laughs> but no they didn't kidding. like us using. They didn't like us using that because it looked artificial, right? It, I mean, it, it's no different than sped up. But a lot of times when I'm like, I'm horrible to watch typing. Like, I if I do a live demo or whatever, I, it's it's I apologize in advance. <laughs> That's the same but, with me. Yeah, but I mean, you know, uh, and and to be honest, you like like a lot of the courses I go on YouTube or, or on Udemy or YouTube as well. I'll pause and I'll you know I'll I'll you know constantly reaching for. I wish there was a faster way to pause the video. I guess there isn't a key. I use the keyboard. I just looked at the keyboard. And I realized it's got a pause button there. But you know, like you want to pause it, you know, and then go back and then enter the type into into Xcode. And as a student, I mean, like you know, like. Uh, and that's a, that's a challenge. I don't like to copy and paste because I don't learn anything by copying and pasting. You know, yeah. I want to type it out and, and I can kind of look at how the code completion is working and, and see what Xcode's thinking about what I'm typing. And, you know, and it's cool because I've, I've noticed some people, a lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but like if you type in a method that's part of a class, like, like a, you know, if you type, start typing view did load, it'll put the funk and the override and all that kind of stuff in for you. You don't have to go, you know, override funk, blah, 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 blah. Mm. So it's kind of cool that it'll it'll do all that stuff. And I really like, I was working today with the um, test-driven development, and um, I noticed that the code completion was working really well. You know, I don't know if it was that the byproduct of TDD, but it was pretty cool the way it kind of, you know, the the 
I mean, the code completion is working much better than it did. Like, like remember three, four years ago when it would crash constantly? Yeah. <laughs> was it yeah. sort? What did it say? We had some messages come up all like source something or other quit or whatever. It was really. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I, I, I know what you mean. Or I, I hate it when it's like, it doesn't know the context of what you're typing. And so you just yeah. get like everything. Yeah. <laughs> just like, or or like in my case, I type the wrong thing and it gives me everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I still like, I still like, I'm waiting for the day where, like, even today I was programming and I'll, I'll like, uh, I'll call my functions first before they're like, like test driven development, right? Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, you create your function first and it fails and then you fix it just so enough. You, to... you actually do TDD yourself or? No, um, well, I used to, uh, mm-hmm. working on one of the contracts, we did a lot of TDD, mm-hmm. um, but I still, Today, I still kind of like program that way, right? You know, where I'm in, I'm in the view. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to call this this function on the observable object, which doesn't exist yet. But I'll I'll, I'll type it in, yeah. you know, and call the function that doesn't exist. And I, I I'm waiting for it to like offer me, hey, do you want me to create that function for you? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like yes. <laughs> oh, I love the fact that it'll write the init method in a class for me now. Like, oh my god, that's so helpful. Yeah, because that's I so know. redundant. Like having to. <clears throat> self dot this equals this i mean like do i have to keep typing that out like can we not automate can't chat can chat gpt do that for me you know (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i I hate to say this but uh microsoft did have uh, a a better visual studio was was a great uh tool uh as far as like a development environment Mm -hmm. um because it it would do those things you know you could you could write in a function that didn't exist and and it would like give you an option like you want me to create this for you you're like yeah so I had a lot of like really nice features. Uh, like, have you ever used uh, JetBrains? I've, yeah, um, yeah. The uh, the Android thing. Um, the they they had one for. Um, I'm not quite sure where they are now. I used it a, a while ago. Um, well, Android Studio is made by JetBrains, right? The current. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, actually, I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, but you could use it for, to do like a uh, C sharp work or you right, know create yeah. like microsoft apps and stuff mm-hmm. and it like we had at one contract and that thing was that was like the ultimate in code refactoring and intelligence and you know it it could do so many things for you it the xcode is like light years behind oh, I, know, <laughs> you know? I, I do know I, I know some people who use it because um and you can download you can load in the swift library to it right and it'll um, so you can actually write swift in visual Visual, what's called Visual Code, right? Visual Code Studio, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember. I've I've tried it out. I've I've used it because I I uh, actually I was using it for um I've been doing WordPress forever too, right? Like um like I used to write websites from from the ground up, right? And then oh, okay, yeah, just it was a chore. <laughs> and then yeah. I had to do I had to do not profit for once, and it must have been like maybe eighteen years ago or or more. Um, and I thought, well, I said to the, the lady who run the, the ballet, I said, do you mind if we try this WordPress thing? I've heard good things about it. And I mean, it's still the same template I wrote for her like that many years ago, but I've learned over the years, uh, on their other contract work I did, um, to write my own templates, my own themes, right? Cause uh, I, you know, the themes always have way too much stuff in them. And, uh, but last couple of times I did, um, I think it was a, I think it was a LinkedIn course actually. Um, and uh, there's a guy named Morten out of um, Vancouver. I think he was leading this course. And it was using Visual Studio to do the coding for Xcode or for, for uh, the web WordPress, right? 
And he's got this way of, uh, maybe it's not him, but there was a way I'd learned, he showed how to use that. And of course, it's got Git and all that kind of stuff built in. And, you know, so you can do all all the cool stuff. And, and you can have, just like, like any good IDE, you know, it does all the sort of completions for you and that kind of stuff, which is really nice, right? And this is writing yeah. writing PHP in this case, right? But but still, and, and how to structure, you know, the, the project, like, it's just like Xcode Project Navigator on the one side and multiple windows of code and you know the yep. bugger at the bottom and yeah so i yeah. mean i like export a lot but but uh probably my yeah. it would be my go-to for everything but you know i've been using bb edit forever for text editing and you know it's okay. hard to hard to give up on the old tools you know yeah yeah that's all i want tim i just wanted to just write the function for me it doesn't even have to be perfect just write a placeholder you know well, I mean, especially like is I find it really frustrating. Like, and I, like I said, I'm glad the uh, memberwise initializers was called right. The um, when they started adding that in Xcode is like, well, how many years have I wanted this? Because the, it's the most mundane thing about writing a class in Swift is that having to write that initializer, right? So, and it's always the same thing. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's that's super nice. I actually I had it come up just the other day, and I was uh, I was surprised. Uh, yeah. Like somehow I I never used it before. And I can't I like I did something on the keyboard where it just all of a sudden like appeared and I was like whoa wait what yeah <laughs> you know yeah. it just like typed out the whole thing for me and I was like oh my gosh that's awesome yeah yeah that's cool yeah pretty cool yeah neat yeah no I mean I I had noticed that that uh, using the like well I'm using the camera using an app called Camo I was using one called Detail Details for a while um, I interviewed Joe Chaplinsky I don't know if you know who he is but um, he was using camo and i went wow your your webcam is amazing what are you using is i'm using an old phone and the cameras are much better so i'm actually looking at you on an old like i don't like a from mid 2000s um lc lcd display i think it's called apple and the camera on it it's just horrible it's like a you know old old school webcam i've noticed that the, the cameras on the the new macs are much better like the m1s and any of the any of the later model ones because now they've because of COVID and Zoom and everything like that, Apple's increased the the quality of the camera, so which is good. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, like you look pretty sharp. What what uh, what uh, Mac are you on? This is a, an M1. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. A 16, 14 kind of thing, or 14. Cool. Yeah. 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 I'm a smaller. I have a 16 for work, and I just it's just it's like a brick. <laughs> yeah, I know that. That's I had the exact same thing in my bag over here. Yeah. It's too heavy, and uh, I I like this one because um. I work remote. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you want to get out of the house and work somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on the weekends, you know, or on Fridays, I, I don't work. I, our team just works four tens. Sure. So on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I can get out of space and work on this little guy. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I do. I mean, you know, I was, I, I, you know, I, I'm always one of the, I'm one of these guys that always buys just before Apple makes a big announcement for some reason. I just have a habit of doing that. <laughs> so I had just I I was humping a, a MacBook Air 2013 for years. I ran my entire business on it, made you know umpteen thousand dollars on it over yeah. the years, and then I started the podcast on it and all that kind of stuff. And uh, 2020, uh, a friend of mine that works at Apple helped you know get friends and family discount kind of thing. Got me a a, a 2020. Um, 13 inch MacBook Air. We, you know, we put a two terabyte hard drive in it, you know, 16 gigs of RAM, wow. the whole thing. And then Apple announced the M1s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so like, man. 
Yeah. So last year, uh, I had a bit of a contract with Apple for uh, during 2021, I guess. And uh, at the end of it, I had you know surplus money, so I, I, I spoiled myself by buying myself this M1 M1 Air because I, I you know it was killing me not to have an M1 to try out all the stuff that everybody was talking oh, about, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah, you see it all over social media. You know, yeah. this is my compile time before. This is my compile time after. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, like it's one of these things where like I was, I would say about like disk space, if you, if you think, oh, I'm going to get a two terabyte drive, I'll never fill it. And then like, you know, three weeks later, you've got it full. Right. It, yeah. it, I mean, I, my first Macs were like, you know, 80, 80 megabyte hard drives and they would constantly get filled. So my whole life has been full of this thing. And I've noticed lately when I fire up something on, on the M1, it bounces a few more times than I'm expecting, you know, the icon before it launches. Right. Especially things like, I, and it's just been lately, like, I mean, I don't know if it's uh, updates to Ventura or, or, or Ventura itself, but like I have uh, noticed that, or maybe it's just, I'm getting used to the, the speed, my M1 pro max, you know, is super duper fast and yeah, you know, and it just, yeah, just an extra, extra couple of bounces. And I'm looking at this thing going, Hmm, at least we're not getting the beach balls anymore. Right. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Uh, I, I noticed the same thing, like, um, for, uh, like I got the M1 first, and then work gave me an M1. Yeah, maybe like uh, maybe like three, four weeks later. Yeah, and uh, so I, I noticed the difference then. But then when I got the work one, it's it's actually faster than than this one. Like it's beefier, you know. Yeah. Um, and and now like I'm noticing, I'm like I'm like ah, oh, this this could be a little bit faster, you know. It's, yeah. 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 It's all relative, you know. You start to change your expectations. Well, and also because I'm a smaller Mac user, I mean, I had I had the 15 inch, and I went when I worked at the bank. I just changed jobs last year, and okay. um, after like six and a half years. But the um, they when they asked me what I wanted, I said I'll, I'm fine with the 14 inch. Doesn't need to have the Pro Max. Doesn't need to be like a, all the bells and whistles. Because I mean, I wasn't really going to be. I'm an engineering manager. I'm not really compiling code. I'm you know doing code reviews and playing around here and there. But I'm not. I don't need the horsepower, right? Anyway, yeah. so this thing arrives, Ultra Max, you know, 16 in, inch with, I, I don't even forget how much RAM it's got on it, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's way too much and it's too heavy. I mean, look, they, I, yeah. now that we're back to the office a couple of days a week, you know, I'm, I'm begrudgingly, you know, throwing in a backpack and, you know, getting on the streetcar and going to work, right? Sort of thing, right? So you can't leave the Mac at, at work. I do, you know, it's funny. So I, I have a small, but I have a, I, I take my own M1 um, iPad Pro. I have an 11 inch one, and I have a like a little bag that I used to carry my my 13 inch in, right? So um, when I, um, so I'll go in on Tuesday. I'll take the whole affair with me, and then I'll just bring the iPad home for at night. And I'm nine, 90 90% of the time, I don't even touch it when I'm at home. And yeah. then I take it, and then I, and then I go back to work, and and I and I pick up the Mac. But I've only started doing that a couple of weeks ago. So last week, I I brought it home. I brought the big Mac home on Tuesday, and went back on Wednesday. And you know, I don't know. Maybe 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 I'm losing a few calories by doing that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you um. So are you are you in Toronto? I am in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Or in the Toronto area? Yeah. So how far is your commute? Like how far do you? It's have to twenty go? minutes. I'm I'm I live right downtown, so yeah, it's twenty minute streetcar ride. I mean, like I worked at I worked in the financial uh, district. I worked for one of the big Canadian banks here, Toronto Dominion Bank, TD Bank. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, and it's it's kind of in a it's it's in a historically significant building downtown. Like all the major banks here in Canada are. They're all there's, a, there's an intersection where I used to joke that all the money in Canada goes through that intersection king and bay and um 
So what I liked about the one of the things that was on my, you know, when I was looking, when you're looking at a job, you, you look at the pros and cons. And one of the pros for this thing was location, because I can, in the summertime, I can walk home from work, and that's how that's good for you because you get any exercise. We also yeah. have these bike rental things that you can rent, you know, which mm-hmm. I'm going to look into doing that this year. And uh, so the commute was great. And now that I'm working for Spot Hero in Chicago, but in the Toronto office here. And their office is right next to TD. So I haven't lost commute, which is great, you know? Yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah so, I love I mean, Toronto. I, I've been there a couple of times. And the first time I went there, like, I, I got to admit, I didn't think the city was going to be as big as it was. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was huge. Yeah. It's so much bigger than I thought it would be. Yeah, well, um, Toronto, actually, the population of Toronto is bigger than most of the provinces in Canada. Wow just wow. just toronto gta itself right and and it's it's a sprawl i mean like you know um we've watched it those of us who lived here have watched it grow from like the downtown core to all the suburbs and out to along the lake right so i think it's pretty much solid city all the way from like hamilton you know burlington oakville mississauga toronto and then scarborough uh whitby oshawa like it just goes on and and so that's what we call the gta is kind of like the gta is actually a little bit smaller than what i just described but you know if you look at the footprint of it and the number of people i think we're pr- number three in north america like i think new york wow. la new york and then toronto in terms of size and yeah. montreal which is just up the road is is uh, on that list somewhere too and i think in the top 10 of yeah. city sizes in north america you know what i also liked about toronto too and i was, I was kind of impressed about this was um the beaches yeah i was there in the summertime and, and like like i couldn't believe like the city is right there and then you have these big sandy yeah. beaches you know yeah I'm like this place is great so you're in the east end beaches i guess or because there are beaches all the way along yeah um it was it called the beaches the neighborhood you were in no i i actually don't know what it was called <laughs> um, a friend of mine and i uh that i grew up with in high school we went out to uh, visit another friend yeah um, who had lived there or mm-hmm. who was living there and uh she gave us the tour and took us around and uh you know she shows us you know like this is where uh i play uh volleyball on saturdays and it's like just a you know like, on the beach yeah, yeah yeah on the beach yeah there's like tons of like volleyball you know nets set up yeah and i'm like this is amazing it's, it's place the reason i ask i think that's the neighborhood just south of me actually the beaches yeah it's it's one of the one of the premier places wow. to live in toronto as well right so yeah mm. all right well thanks for your time yeah it's been great lots of, like got lots of content for a great episode i'm sure people will enjoy it and great to meet you right, cool. of course i've been reading your stuff for years so yeah well it's nice to meet you too thanks for the format i really like it so